now, it's Gardening Talkback with gardening specialist Scott Sharp. Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, how are you this afternoon? I'm a little bit damp. I dodged some rainstorms. Fantastic for the plants, though. Excellent for the plants. Yeah, yeah, it was really getting very dry out there. Heavy rain last night, and so it should be good. Yeah, it should be good. Some nice soaking rain. The other thing it's brought out are the snails, so I thought we might have uh, talk about a couple of ideas to keep the snails under control at the moment. Uh, lavender's out in flower, and I believe caterpillars are eating mint. Oh, right. That's bad news. It is bad news, so we'll talk about keeping them under control as well. It's a pest show. A pest show? Yes. It's all a bit pesty today because we've got Bernadette, and she's got a question about magnolias. Hi, Bernadette. How can we help you today? Oh, hi, Scott. Um, Listen, I've got a um, teddy bear magnolia tree in a pot that I've had for about 10 months, and up until about six weeks ago, it was looking really, really good. Um, then it started to drop some leaves and I read that that was um, normal just prior to uh, flowering. But with the winds that we've had in the last week, I now have not one leaf on my tree. So I'm a bit concerned. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't sound too good. Tell us about your watering habits with the plant. Um, oh, look, it's undercover mm-hmm. um, and probably, I don't know, weekly. In Ooh. the winter, it's been fortnightly. Okay, look, um, that that but sounds. Said, it's been great. Yeah, but that sounds a little bit light on for my um, my feelings. Have you got a saucer of underneath it, or is it just in a normal pot that drains out to the ground? Yeah, yeah, just in a pot that drains. Yeah, look, I, I think you probably need to start watering that a little bit to you know a little bit more. Um, right. You know, once a week at the moment, and you know, once every fortnight in winter. Yeah, just I, I just don't think enough. Uh, oh, okay. Eventually, that soil would have dried out. The plant would have got stressed. So, when you get periods of time, uh, you know, where you're having, uh, you know, for instance, when the flowers are coming on, it's going to be more stressed. So, it's going to drop its leaves. And then when you have periods of time when we're getting wind, uh, that's when a plant transpires the most and, uh, you know, the moisture is going through and it's, it just hasn't got enough to suck out of the pot. So I would definitely be uh, watering it uh, a lot more often, probably almost every day once we get to uh, into summer. And oh, right. Yeah, most, most definitely, yeah. Oh, OK, because I thought that if you overwatered, I didn't want to do that. Uh, but as I said, up until probably five or six weeks ago, it was perfectly fine yeah I, so. I think it, I think it might have just been clinging on you know sort of the the wow. its fingernails were scraping down the uh, the blackboard of of life there but uh, oh, okay. I, yeah I think that's probably what's happened and, and as soon as it's got to a you know position where there's a bit of stress on it it's just had no you know fuel in the tank uh, to suck right. up and keep going so, so you reckon every day do you look certainly when it's windy and when it's getting hot um, it might even be twice a day in those really really hot periods and right. the the fact that it's undercover as well uh, you know you probably look out and go oh it's raining today the plant's getting oh. water but it's not no yeah. i usually put a bucket out and then i collect the water and then i water the plant um but with the winds that we had the other day i actually forgot which was a nuisance because i I've lost all that lovely water. But um, so how often would I do the seaweed? Once a week? Yeah, now, sea salt is really good for the root system of the plant. I'll probably use uh, more of an all-round liquid fertiliser than sea salt. Um, okay, so and I've also got some Thrive that I mix up in water. Yeah, you can use that, but just use it in, in accordance with the directions. Uh, yep. Look, once a week's probably overloading the plant, I would think, especially if, okay. it, if it's drying out and it's stressed. So, All right. Uh, yeah, I, I just do that according to instructions, and I think with Thrive, thrive it might be once every 14 days. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, Depen- depending on the plant. Re- I've got some slow-release fertiliser in there as well. Yes, very that good. That has been in there for a little while. 
Um, uh, so I'll just continue with the Thrive until I think it's been until it's picking up a bit. Yeah. So look, because it's got no leaves on there, the the plant really can't use the uh, the fertilizer at the moment. So I'd, I'd in fact steer clear of using any fertilizer until you've got some leaves back on there. And right. they're starting to harden up and look nice and, uh, you know, tough it's, again. Funnily enough, it looks like there's flower pods on there, though, which is, you know, I don't know, is that weird? Yeah, so after it's flowered, that you might have the seed pods sitting there um, waiting to uh, dry out and then uh, form their seeds. Okay. Yeah. All right, no okay. worries. I will do that. Thanks for your help. Okay, thank you, Benedict. Good luck with okay. it. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We've got Mayor now from Merriweather, and they've got a question about potted bay leaf tree. Good afternoon. How can we help you? Oh, hi, Scott. I assume it's Scott. Yes. Um, Mary here. Um, I've had a bay leaf tree that I bought um, at Bunning some time back. It's over 12 months, 12 to 18 months ago. And I've had it in a pot, and it hasn't done one thing. It hasn't grown a half an inch. Does not a half an inch. Not half an inch. I'm glad you've had the old scale, uh, you know, imperial measure out there, keeping it, yeah. keeping an eye on it. Uh, wh- where have you got the uh, the uh, the bay leaf tree? Um, it's up the back of my yard. It, it gets sun there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that it gets sun all day, but probably fifty percent of the day it gets sun. And would you and say I that's probably, morning or afternoon? That fifty percent. Um, Probably more in the afternoon. Okay, yeah, that's fine. So it's in a good position, so we'll tick that box for you. Um, what about your watering of the plant? Well, I'm watering it, a, you know, regular, and then I cut back on the water because I thought that might be the problem, but it still hasn't changed. Then I sort of put a bit more uh, cow manure in the soil. I thought that man was fertilising it with the uh, sea soil and other things. Nothing's happened. Nothing. Doesn't matter what I do. <laughs> and and so now you said you're using uh, sea salt cow manure. Is that uh, is that plant in a pot or have you got it in the ground? I've got it in a pot. In a pot. Okay. okay. I, I think you're probably over fertilising. I would not use cow manure uh, in a potted plant. Um, it's too easy to over fertiliser and uh, fertilise and harm the plant. So I'd steer clear of that. Just go back to using liquid fertilisers. Um, because it is in a pot, you need to water it quite often, and so probably every day at the moment. Um, you know, if it's drying out, it's not going to do you know grow for you. Or you're not even going to get to, you know a third of an inch going there. So uh, yeah, a lot more water. Uh, cut down that fertilising, just using liquid fertiliser and uh, a fertiliser that's high in nitrogen as well, because you want the green leafy growth to happen with the plant. Uh, and so and, and see what happens then. So would that sea salt be high in nitrogen? Well, sea salt is only really good for the root system of plants. Uh, it, it won't promote that green leafy growth. Um, so, look, certainly um, keep on using it, um, but don't rely on it to, you know, actually create, you know, leaves, which is what you want on your bay leaf tree. So, um, not being the gardener that you are, <laughs> what's the... What's the What's the fertiliser that's high in nitrogen? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that, that's all right. Look, there, there's a whole lot of different ones out there. Um, you know, you know, callers mentioned Thrive, for instance. There's one called... Oh, Fl- yeah, I know that one. Yeah, okay. there's one called Flourish. And, and Flourish actually has a specific uh, green and growth uh, fertiliser. So that's probably a good one to get uh, because you know it's going to do the job for you. Oh, good. I thought it would be really grown by now and I'd be getting the leaves off to make tea. <laughs> they they, they that, can be a little bit slow as well, so don't expect it to be, you know, taking off uh, for you. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think definitely more water, uh, steer clear of the cow manure and use a liquid fertiliser. All right. All right. 
right. Thanks, Scott. That's helpful anyhow. Okay, thanks, Mary. Appreciate the call. Right, thanks, 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 Thank you. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. We've got Graham from Mayfield. Now, he's building a pool, and he would like to know what sort of plants he could have next to it for shade. Sounds like a good thing to be building, Graham, a pool. How can we help oh, you? Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, we broke the drought, I think. First single-handedly. Okay. <laughs> Put in a pool, that's stopped raining since. <laughs> and I guess you want it finished by Christmas as well. Oh, that'd be lovely. Yeah, well, now, we were going to get one of those horrible counter-lever umbrellas. Yes. But at Mayfield, we're only trying to protect ourselves from the westerly sun, so we're looking at a really big pot inside the pool fence with a nice big shady tree that will survive and go well in it, but we don't need a deciduous one, obviously. <laughs> yeah, OK. So how tall do you, you think you like that, you know, that umbrella, you know, size height, you know, a couple of metres, three metres? Yes, yes, something as similar to uh, what an umbrella would be. Yeah, okay. Uh, look, look, for that, I, I'm thinking some sort of lily pilly. Um, there's one called Cascade, which will spread out a little bit for you. It'll get to about three metres in height. Now, the reason I like lily pillies is because they're very prunable, and if for some reason it does dry out, you know, you go away or something, you're not sitting by the pool uh, and it dries out, uh, they're very easy to get back to life again and get them to shoot on because they're fairly quick-growing. Uh, so that, right. that's, uh, yeah, Syzygium or lily pilly cascade. I think that's a, a pretty good one to, to have. Uh, and you, that'll go all right in a big pot? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly will do well for you. Uh, now, right. the, the other plant that might w- go well for you, uh, Bernadette was uh, on the uh, the phone earlier on talking to us. She's got a, uh, a magnolia teddy bear, and uh, they can also get, uh, you know, fairly large as well, about that three-metre mark. Uh, a pretty tough plant. They'll uh, withstand, you know, having some salt uh, splash on them as well from the pool. Uh, now, the only problem with those is, I, I guess, uh, like we found out with Bernadette, if you're not watering them properly, uh, you can have a lot of leaf drop on them and, and difficult to get back. So, uh, All right. Yeah. I need something that's, that's quite hardy. Yeah, so uh, look, I'll, I'll probably stick with the lily pilly in that case. Uh, now, there is another one more native. It's called Tuckaroo, uh, which is that's its common name. Uh, it would get quite large, so you'd have to be pruning that back every now and again. But, a, a, you know, a pretty good plant uh, to have, uh, you know, in, in that it will get, you know, large-ish for you. Uh, it doesn't have a very high water use. Uh, so that one's called Tuckaroo. Uh, but, again, you'd just be having to prune that back a bit. But they are very prunable, uh, and so it's probably not a bad native plant to have uh, next door to the pool. All right, that sounds excellent. So the lily pill is in front at the moment. Yep, okay. But we'll have a look at the tuckaroo, and thank you very much, Scotty. Okay, and you enjoy that swim pool? Oh, definitely. Have to to install a bar in there as well. A floating one. Yeah, very good, very good. (laughs) Right, yeah, thank you very much. You have a nice afternoon. Bye-bye. Didn't even invite us over. Oh, no. Well, look, you, you cut him off so quickly. He was probably just about to say, oh, probably. probably. When it's finished, we'll give you a call. Yeah, benefit of the doubt for Graham. <laughs> Unbelievable. We've got Ken now from Wanji, and he's got a question about potash. Good afternoon, Ken. How can we help you? Oh, good day, Scott. Look, it's just a quick question. We're planning to spray all of our garden with uh, liquid potash. Yes. Rather than tell me what I can spray, is there, can you tell me what I can't spray? 
I'd, I'd feel fairly confident in spraying your potash all around the garden. The only plants that don't like it so much are plants that love acid-loving uh, soil, so, you know, azaleas, camellias. But that said, you know, a, a one or two-off use of it is not going to dramatically, uh, you know, change the alkalinity, acidity of the soil uh, for those plants. So... I'd feel fairly confident, uh, you know, if you're only using it once or twice a year, um, you can use that, you know, on all of your garden. Uh, look, however, I would say with potash, you probably need to be using it a little bit more than just once or twice a year. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little bit more regularly, you know, every month or so just to build it up because it just moves through the uh, the soil very easily um, in, in that it keeps on recycling around. So if yeah. you were starting to do it every month, you might just, you know, steer clear of those acid-loving plants every now and again and uh, just give it to them, you know, two or three times a year. So we have a number of ferns of different varieties. It's all right to put on ferns, isn't it? Yeah, look, it won't harm them. It's actually not going to help them too much because we, we mostly use potash or potassium uh, to increase the flowering and fruiting of plants. Uh, so when you, it hits a fern, it's, you know, not really going to do too much at all. Uh, because, okay. Yeah, so uh, you can steer clear of those if you, if you want to. Uh, just, you know, give it to you, mostly to your flowering plants. Yeah, well, what would you recommend then for azaleas? Because I thought they would be the prime suspect. Yeah, look, they certainly are, and I'm, I'm not saying don't use it. I'm just saying don't overuse it on those. So if you were starting to use, you know, potash, you know, regularly, like once a, once a month, uh, you just wouldn't do it on your acid-loving plants as much. Just, you know, cut it back to two or three times a year with them. All right, then. Okay, and you're probably also just thinking about that with... Uh, uh, you know, your camellias, azaleas, you'd probably start to use that, uh, you know, a little bit more regularly on those plants prior to flowering, you know, two to three months before flowering is going to occur. And we know with camellias and azaleas approximately when they're going to flower, depending on the, you know, the, the sort of weather of the time. Uh, so you can always mark your calendar, uh, you know, two or three months before that and uh, start using the potash on those a little bit more liberally. And at other times of the year, you might just steer clear of them. So what would be the really the best thing for azaleas then other than potash yeah look they love cow manure so you can keep cow on manure. using cow manure on those uh because that actually slightly increases the acidity of the soil uh so yeah cow manure is very good and it's also an organic uh, you know product as well so it uh you know just breaks down keeps building up the soil uh and feeds those plants as well all right then thank you very much okay. for your help thank you very Have much nice ken day. you too okay. bye-bye and we've got Josh from Plough, Maine, and he's having trouble growing tomatoes. Hey, Josh, how can we help you? Hey, guy, mate. Yeah. I've just been growing, you know, your basic tomatoes for the last sort of five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just found the last couple of years I've tried to throw in a couple of rarer uh, varieties like it, uh, Black Russian or this is one I got from Bunnings called Indigo Rose, some of these darker ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll have them next to like a gross lizzie or a sort of hardy basic one and they just don't take off or, or go as good as them ones i just want to know if there's anything in that um why the darker ones are harder to to get to to grow i guess yeah yeah look, that, that's an interesting question I, I i don't know that they should be uh i i, I actually don't have an answer for you about that um cross i mean is a very vigorous tomato uh, and very easy yeah. to grow but yeah yeah as to why those other darker you know skin varieties don't don't grow for you i i, I couldn't say i mean the tomato is a tomato and uh, 
you know, it should if you're feeding everything, watering them all the same, there, there shouldn't be any reason for, for those not to do very well for you. Uh, okay. So, look, if anyone out there does have some experience, um, you know, growing these different varieties of tomatoes and, uh, you know, those heirloom tomatoes, I guess, is a good way to describe them. Yeah, yeah, I've tried them, them before, too, and, they, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just the basic heirlooms, and they'll sound them harder as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, if anyone's got some experience or something, you know, some sort of trick you, you should be using, I would love to hear from you and um, find out about that. But I've, I've grown the heirloom ones before, um, but never, you know, I haven't sort of been comparing them in a race. So I've just had, you know, a couple of them in a pot and, you know, they've done all right. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, certainly not, you know, they're not as prolific as, as the Grossley's ones um, as far as their fruiting. But, no. uh, yeah, so look, if anyone's got any tips, i um, love to hear it. Yep, sounds awesome. Okay. Thank you for the call, Josh. Thank you for uh, piquing our interest on something that I can't quite answer. Yeah, no worries. Okay, good. Thank Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. Stumped you. Stumped me on that one, yeah. It's a, very, it's a rarity here. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, look, and there's so many new varieties of tomatoes that are that are grown, and I think each year, you know, they're trying to do work on them, you know, with the genetic things that yep. scientists do. So they're, they're getting more and more prolific as far as their growth and, and flowering and fruiting goes. So, uh, you know, maybe it's just those old-fashioned ones now. I mean, they've been overtaken. Sad. Is that sad? No, it's good. Well, more variety. Yeah, yeah, more variety. Everything gets, you know, a bit old and tired. <laughs> okay. Now, Scott, you mentioned that snails are out and about now. With all the all the rain, I guess they've probably come out of the woodwork. They have come out of the woodwork, so to speak. Yes, yeah, so to speak. Finished eating the wood. Now they've decided to come out and eat the rest of the plants. Scum. <laughs> Pretty harsh words against the poor old snail. They can't even run fast enough to get away from you when you're speaking to them like that. True, but they can curl up into their little shell and hide. Well, they'll have to when they're feeling offended like that. <laughs> But look, there are. Oh, well, I'm, actually, I'm going to be even nastier about the snail when I think about it. How are you going to get rid of them? Yeah, how are we actually going to kill them? Yeah, not good. Is salt involved? Uh, salt. I've heard salt. Yeah, that that works as well. You can sprinkle some salt on them and dry them out. There's also it's got to be a pretty terrible thing to do. Yeah, that can't be very nice. They call him scum. <laughs> really, it's nothing on that now, is there? Uh, but there are some eco uh, sprays out there that you can use uh, to keep the snails and slugs away. I don't know that it actually kills them. It more just repels them than anything. Uh, I find mine in the letterbox all the time. Right. They eat my letters. Um, they eat little real estate flies as well, and that's a good thing because I don't like real estate flies all the time. <laughs> uh, but they do do a lot of damage if they, you know, get on your bills or whatever important documents you've got in there. So you can use these sprays, uh, you know, on, on metal, on, on wood. You can actually spray them on the plants as well, but always turn over and have a look at the directions. Uh, and it's just a, a good, easy way. You're not, uh, you know, putting those little pellets around everywhere. Um, so there's, you know, less danger of blue tongues and other, uh, you know, lizards eating those pellets and uh, making themselves sick. If you are needing to actually eradicate the snail, um, then there's, you know, I always remember it being the, the blue one and the green one. Um, right. Yes, yeah. there was Defender and there was Basol. And I'd always say alternate those two because they had two different, you know, active constituents uh, constituencies in there. Um, so I would always recommend to use the, you know, alternate them, yep. use them differently so the snails don't get used to something. And they don't become super snails. So, yeah, we don't want them, you know, growing big muscles or anything like that. <laughs> I think they actually do have a very big muscle, and that's how they move. Uh, But the other thing to do is to make a little snail house. 
right. and that can be as simple as getting a, an ice cream container, cutting some little holes in the bottom, turning it upside down, sticking a brick or you know something to hold it down onto the ground, yep. and um, put your snail bait inside there. And then you're not going to get you know any lizards or anything bad. The snails will actually go in there. They'll eat the bait. They'll probably die in there as well. Yep. Uh, and so a nice safe thing for other animals and uh, you know lizards and reptiles in the garden, so they're not eating the bad snails. Right. Excellent. So we've kind of worked out how to stop snails. We have. Uh, so there's sprays, there's the pellets, uh, and just be careful about using the pellets. And if you're a sociopath, salt. Salt, yeah. Not a, not a good way to, to kill those poor snails. But a terrible way to go. Yeah, other people might be able to ring up and tell us some different methods they've got as well and uh, ways of you know keeping the, uh, the snail bait safe from other uh, animals in the garden. Right. Excellent. Yeah. Then we've got Emmanuel from Batu Bay on the line. They've got a problem with a dwarf lemon tree. It's been planted in the ground poorly. Yes, yes, I do. How can we help you with it, Emmanuel? Uh, what's happening, uh, Steve? Uh, I bought it about a year and a half, and when I bought it, I put it in a pot. Yes. And it gives me about, you know, in a year and a half, give me about a dozen of lemons, small ones. Yes, yes. And uh, about three months ago, I thought, you know, I planted it into the ground instead mm. of in the top. And I planted it, and before I planted it, when I dig, I put some mushroom compost. Yes. And uh, it seems about uh, after three weeks, seems to crop because I got small lemon out of it and everything. But now it seems it's dying. All the lemon is falling and it's getting yellow. Any, any reason? Yes. Yeah, so so I, I think how, how much mushroom compost did you put in there? Oh, I didn't put that much. I put about a couple of shovels. Right, okay. And did you mix that around or was it just sort of sitting in the bottom as uh, like raw mushroom compost in a big lump? Yeah, I think I did that. I think, I'm not sure, but I think when I, because I got sand, so what I did, I pulled some sand, then I put the mushroom, and then I put a bit of compost on top too. Yes, and and what's happened is it just dropped all its leaves on you, Emmanuel? Uh, just about it's getting yellow. All the small lemon that I have first, they're falling. They get yellow and falling. Yes. And it's, it's dying slowly, slowly. And I give her water. Every second day, I give her water. Yeah, okay. So I, I think I know what's happened to you. You've used all that mushroom compost. Now, mushroom compost is actually, I, I guess, slightly acidic. Um, it has a range of about, you know, 6 uh, in its pH, pH to 7. Now... Mm-hmm. Citrus plants actually like slightly alkaline, uh, you know, soil conditions. Uh, so, you know, fowl manure, you know, chook, chook manure has slightly alkaline um, soil conditions and will make it slightly alkaline. And I think what's happened is you've put it in that. It's got this big sort of burst of, uh, you know, slightly acidic material, um, a lot of, you know, uh, uh, fertilizer has been released as its root system's gone into that uh, into that mushroom compost, and that's why it's a bit stressed. It's a bit unhappy, and it, mm-hmm. it's dropped all its leaves and all the fruit on there for you. Are you yeah. able to lift that plant back out? Um, do you think and get it away yeah. from those conditions? Yes, I can. Yeah. What I have to do then after? What I do? Yeah, I, I think I'd, I'd get it away from those conditions, uh, either put it back into a larger pot um, for a few more months again, 
and uh, let that area that you want it to sort of calm down. Or if you think you can, uh, you know, take some of that mushroom compost and some of those other things you put in there away uh, and then replant it back in there, perhaps even with a bag of potty mix around it, uh, that's a nice, safe way of doing it rather than putting all of that, uh, you know, it sounds lovely what you've done to it, but I think you might have almost killed it with a little bit of kindness. And certainly the mushroom compost is something that uh, citrus trees won't necessarily like. Okay, and uh, plus that, uh, what do you call it? I give it about twice uh, sea salt and uh, uh, powerful. Yeah, I, I think you, I think you've given it too much there, by the sounds of things. Uh, <laughs> Now, the, the, other, the other thing you can use to try and, uh, you know, make that soil a little bit more alkaline is if you've got some lime, uh, yeah. you, you could use that. So I'd probably pull the plant out of the ground, uh, put it into a bigger pot for a few months, uh, make sure it's all nicely watered and everything, just put a normal potty mix in there with it, and then yeah. get some lime and get some lime back into that soil, uh, you know, around that area where you've had the mushroom compost to try and get the, a little bit more alkaline for you if you're going to put it back in that spot. Yeah, but when we're going to put it in the same spot, uh, I have to take all the uh, stuff that I got there, you know, the mushroom uh, compost. Yeah, or, or just let, let it sit with some and get some lime into the soil and let it sit for a couple of months uh, and, you know, just turn yeah. it over with the spade and that should calm it down a little bit for you uh, and then you could put it back into that spot. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Okay, that's all right. Um, yeah, you've been very kind to the plant, but, uh, yeah, maybe just that little bit too much kind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to ask you something, too. Yes. I, I hear you because I hear your uh, program. Yes. There was a, a fellow before me a couple of times, uh, and he asked about tomatoes. Yes. I got uh, black tomato cherry. I got black tomato big one. Mm -hmm. I got yellow tomato cherry. And uh, I got normal tomato too. But last year I took a lot, you know? So I don't know, uh, he say he doesn't get too much fruit or something. Yeah, so do you, do you have any, but he said that he, you know, he has the normal ones, gross lears, you know, planted side by side, treats them the same. This was uh, Josh from up at Palau, Maine. Yeah, uh, yeah. And what do you do, Emmanuel? Do you just, you just have them normally treat them, treat them as you treat the other tomatoes? Yes. Yes, I do, and, uh, and I put them just about the same, you know, the same size. Yes, like, I, you know? okay. Okay, yeah, so uh, no, no no, real, you know, sort of special secret then. I guess that's almost no, the, the no, message no, here. No, I feed the same when I feed the big ones, you know, I feed the same as the other ones. Okay, like, and, and what, are you, what are you feeding them with, just as a bit uh, of a tip? Well, normally I give them uh, manure, you know, chicken or uh, cow manure. Yeah, yeah, they should love cow manure. Yeah, that would be ideal for them. So, I, matter of fact, this morning, before I came up, you know, for lunch, I give him, uh, I plan about a dozen different type, you know. I've done two holes, different uh, different type of, uh, like, uh, big uh, black. Yes. Very uh, black, you know, the uh, yellow, the red cherry, cherry, you know. And I like him, you know, and good. Okay, very good. Okay, well, we appreciate the information and uh, good luck with your lemon tree, Emmanuel. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank have, you. have a nice have afternoon, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, Emmanuel. We've got Stephen now from Curry, and he might have a tip of preventing snails. Oh, Stephen, what secret have you got? Well, I, I don't know if it actually works, but I, uh, I've heard that um, if you scrunch up, 
scrunch up eggshells yes. and put around the base of your plants, the um, like your tomatoes and stuff like that, that the snails actually don't like sliding over it. But I don't know if there's any truth in it. I think that there's some truth to that. Uh, they also don't like going over mulch like sugarcane mulch. I think it's a little bit rough. It, it sticks to them in a way. So, yeah, that's probably yep. not a bad idea. You can, um, you know, make, yeah. an om- make an omelette as well or however you like to well. have your eggs. <laughs> and then uh, keep the snails away too. Well, yeah, well, my daughter and son-in-law, they're, um, they're trying to grow their own veggies and, and they don't really want to use the pellets. Yeah. Because they love the lizards and that as well, so... Yeah, and I've always heard that the eggshells work. I've oh, okay. never tried it myself. So. Okay, very good. Sounds uh, like uh, Greg's probably going to uh, go out and buy a chicken farm just so he can uh, surround his house with eggshells <laughs> and keep those snails away that he doesn't like very much. Like a little Fair enough. Next time as well. <laughs> if it works and you get to eat, then It'll, it's all good. Very good. Okay, thanks for the call, Stephen. All right, mate, thank you. Cheers, bye. bye. I think we might have time for one more call. We've got a rocket from Ellamore Vale. And he's got another tip for snails and slugs. Hey, can you help us out keeping those snails and slugs away? Yeah, how you going? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, I was um, last year in my veggie garden, especially around the lettuces, tomatoes and things. Um, and again, I've um, got the same going again this year. And I found that um, an ice cream container yes. is a bottle of beer. Oh, and you'll have more slugs in that than you would with anything else. It's unbelievable. Okay, so you, how do you do? You turn, just have your ice cream tin, you put a little bit of beer in the bottom? Yep, and they'll make their way into it, and they'll be at the bottom of the container in the morning. Okay, very good. They'll, I'm um, sure they will be. At the, I'd be at the bottom of the container as well if I had yeah, a bottle yeah, of beer in there for no, me. No, unbelievable. I've never come across a better solution. Okay, very good. We appreciate that very much. No worries. Okay, cheers. Thank you. Very much. Bye. Bye. Nice little tips there at the end of the show with preventing snails. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to try and erect a wall like in Game of Thrones to try and keep the snails Just out of your place, <laughs> your, your attitude to them. Well, we do have a big wall as well and a dragon patrolling. Well, and now you can just have a beer and you'll keep them away. It sounds like a waste of a beer as well, though. Yeah, it does a little bit. It's only, yeah. a, it's only a splash, though. Yeah, low strength, mid-strength beer. Scott Sharp, we're out of time for another week, I'm sad to say. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.